Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Very Reasonable Pilots Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Long, and with me, as always, is my co-host, editor, producer, co-pilot, gunner, navigator, orator, and podcasting associate, Jacob Gloth. How are you doing today, Jacob? I am mediocre. How are you, Charlie? Um, I am contento. Contento? I am contento. Nice. That's, a, yeah. that's a callback. Right? I just had a little bit of linguine mm-hmm. uh, with uh, bacon uh, eeny on it. And uh, I'm happy. I can't. I can't really complain. That's very nice. Now I've I'm got bacon bits in the fridge. Uh, I'm gonna buy some eggs for probably tomorrow. Um, and I'm gonna in the morning. I'm gonna make some scrambled eggs and I'll put some bacon bacon in them. It's good. Ah, nice. I made a breakfast burrito this morning. Oh, nice, nice. It was. It was good. Very you good. know what I love? Everyone in my wants bacon. to know about our our breakfasts. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the important thing. Uh, my favorite thing, I love I love some mushrooms in my in my eggs. In my scrambled eggs, put some mushrooms in there. I'm all about it. I do like some some mushrooms mm-hmm. uh, in my my eggs. Mushrooms are good. Yeah. Love some onions in there as well. If I can little onions. You know, cook maybe. them up a little bit and then mm-hmm. drop them in the eggs. Yeah, maybe nice. maybe a little some peppers. Some some very thinly sliced little pieces of pepper in there. Ooh. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's a good time. But yeah, uh, besides eggs, what are we doing with our souls and our voices and our uh, ideas? Well, we are our souls are on the road to Gascony because that is the name of my pitch. Road here. to road Gascony. To Gascony. Mm. Mm. Charlie, do you know where Gascony is? I would say somewhere in Europe. It is. It's in France. It's in southern I France. I was gonna say uh, France. Mm-hmm. Well, but if, yeah, it's like like um, southwestern France. Along yeah. The water. Is it? Uh, and if you it, had to guess. Mm-hmm. What is this? What What do you think? My I, that's all I'm getting. All I'm telling you. The the pitch title is the Road to Gascony. What do you think this show is gonna be about? Now. The thing is, you're a history guy. You're a history buff. You know? You like history, right? And you said Gascony is on the water. That would make me think that it is, uh, like, a town that is close to the island that they uh, uh, banished Napoleon to, right? I don't know any... I'm just I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm like... <laughs> Is it possible yeah. that this show is like we are transporting Napoleon? Like that's the whole thing. Is it's like a, a road trip show where our main characters are like Napoleon's prison guards, and they're trans they're taking him on the road to Gascony to put him on a boat to get, send him to the island, right? And they get on all sorts of wacky misadventures, and along the way. Yeah. Unfortunately, it is not that because. Mm. Well, it's, it's a little bit further back in time. Oh, um, And okay. you're, I think maybe you misunderstood where Gascony is. So the first time they took Napoleon, it was to, to uh, what is it, Alba, I think, Alba, which is in the Mediterranean. Yeah. So, and, this, and, and Gascony is on the coast of the Atlantic. Okay. So not well, then, in the Mediterranean. I didn't that, know exactly where it was. on that west side of France. Yeah. Uh, the second time they take him to St. Helena, which is like near northern africa but no. no one cares about that um this is a little further back uh this is during the hundred years war okay so like, um mid 1300s so like 13 
60s time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 13 60s. Uh, we are following a... Uh, actually, I don't know how, how far I'm going to go into this. Well, I'll, I'll just give you the setting real quick. So we have... The Hundred Years' War is is well and happening right now. We're 98 um, years. England so. and France. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no, I think it, it, it's we're only a couple years in. Yeah. Um, in a, it's probably like 20 or something yeah. years we're in. We're in um, full swing. We're warring it up. Mm-hmm. It's the beginning of the war when England's doing really well, so France is just getting absolutely screwed over right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in France. That's where we're starting off, and it's kind of just like. Uh, they, the English had a tactic of, called chevauchet, which is a French word, which means uh, was actually one of the titles I was thinking about doing, but I thought it was a little bit too fancy, you know, chevauchet. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone would really give a shit about that title. Um, I would think it was like a cooking which show. Which was like, essentially, yeah, I, that would be a good cooking show name, chevauchet. Chevauchet. Um, but like, that was the ta- it was the tactic they used, which is essentially, you burn villages until the French face you in battle. Um... And, you know, it's very popular because the French would just hide in the castles. Um, and it was the only way they could provoke them to, to come out. Insulting you. Um, saying that your and mother... whenever they did fight, it was not... Was a gerbil yeah. and your father smelt of elderberries. Come on, Charlie. You, um, you know it's a hamster. I have not watched a Monty Python in a very long time. Damn. Well, that's just disrespectful. Um, I've never even so, seen an you know, episode English fight of the, the French, French Classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ha- that's not... That can't be true. It is 100% true. I'm appalled. I've I probably know. seen The Flying Circus so many times. It's I know ridiculous. you have. Like, I, I've rewatched it so many times. <laughs> um, wow. I, I don't even know if I can continue after that revelation. <laughs> this is like when you told me that you hadn't seen uh, House. House, yeah. Despite it being like a huge part of your personality. <laughs> <laughs> Constantly quotes House, talks about House, and then tells me he's never actually never seen. I've house. never seen House. <laughs> um, hey, man, what can I say? Okay, I'm a man of mystery. But we're back. You know, Hundred Years' War. Yeah. England versus France. That's the backdrop of of this of this show. Yeah, yeah, of course. Episode one. Mm-hmm. We open um, on a muddy French town that sits ravaged in a va- ravaged in a valley. We pull back and we see a man on a dark horse and ragged. With a ragged cloak over him, um, and he starts riding through, looking for signs of life. But it's, it's all burnt out husks, you know. Everything, mm-hmm. everything of value is gone. There's no signs of life. Um, and as he's traveling through, his hands on his belt, where there's a sword, and on the back of his horse, there's there's something there, but it's covered by a blanket. So something big and bulky behind him, uh, but it's covered by a blanket. He turns around because he sees something move. Like we, we can see in the camera something sort of dashes up past him on yeah. the hill. Uh, but we can't really see what it is. And he looks back, but he doesn't see anything. And he continues on during the road. So this is kind of a slow open. We get to see the wreckage. Mm-hmm. You know, it's clear that something strong and powerful has been through the here. The English. Um, yep. Um, and so he continues on down the road where he finds an inn. And uh, he goes inside. You know, he ties up his horse outside. Um, comes in. There's a young girl, 19-ish, arguing with the innkeeper about playing a song, but he tells her just to keep her mouth shut um, and play the lute. No one wants to hear songs about knights anymore, because um, you know they're getting they're getting wrecked by the English, so all their knights are sucking. Yeah, they're um, sad. They're sad about it. 
they're sad. You know, they're they're a country that's losing in mm-hmm. a war, and they're losing to a country that's smaller than them and weaker. Um, so it's it's you know they're not. It's a it's a slight on the the French yeah. honor. I wouldn't be happy about it. Um, so yeah, you wouldn't. You know, this is like um, it would be like if we declared war on a smaller podcast, and then that smaller podcast destroyed us. Damn, I don't, I don't know if we could find a smaller podcast. I, I think but... it'd be pretty difficult. It might just be have to be like one guy, like just talking into a microphone. Because at least we have a, a, like a basic standard of two people have listened to each episode. Oh, we do. Yeah, you're right. So I have to be a lone guy. We could, we could mm-hmm. probably. I think we could beat up some of these smaller podcasts. Yeah, there's one one guy podcasts out mm-hmm. there. There might be there some podcasts run by, like, children as well. We could take them. Oh, we could definitely beat up a child. That'd be easy as hell. Even mm-hmm. one of those, like, easy. bodybuilding 10-year-olds. Like, those guys, I still think we could take them. Because there's two of us. Yeah. Yeah. I think we'd be alright. Uh, yeah. Or we get our asses beat, and it would look embarrassing. Which is exactly what the French are experiencing here. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, he goes to the bar... Um, this black cloaked stranger and uh, yeah the bartender's like hey what's your name and he's like Charles and he asks for a drink he's very he's got a very grim gruff tone mm-hmm. um, I was kind of picturing he looks somewhat like or he could be played by um, who's the guy that's the mercenary in Game of Thrones what's his name uh, uh, Bron Bran I don't know the actor's name it's Bron Bron Whatever the actor's name is, Braun in Game of Thrones. I don't know if you if you've got another idea for an actor that's kind of like that. I was play this sort of. I was thinking Adrian Knight, Brody. Who's Adrian Brody? Yeah, uh, yeah, he could do it. I like. Adrian well, he's Brody. got like. I uh, don't ask me why, but he looks French to me. He's got he he just to me he strikes me as very French. I think he does look very Italian. Is what I always thought. Um, he does play a lot of Italian figures in movies, so that's why I think that. Mm-hmm. I can see the French thing as well. It's just the tall, the sort of kind of uh, sharp features yeah. as well. I could see him smoking a cigarette in a beret, eating a baguette, and drinking Though, wine. The issue with that is that um, this uh, this dark cloak figure is German, <gasps> as we'll get to. So maybe we'll have to go with the Germanish looking actor. Mind God, um, <laughs> uh, Christoph. Well, I mean, he's Waltz. not like it's not Germany as we know it because it's the whole. Well, that's the only German actor you can yeah. think of. It's the only one I can think of either. <laughs> um, so someone that looks kind of Germanish. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Probably like you know dark hair. Oh, maybe uh, this guy's got to be also. Star. He's kind of like older. This is like someone that's kind of like in their, not in their twilight years, but the end of their prime. So like. In terms of fighting, so he's probably like late thirties, mid to late thirties. Okay. Uh, oh, Michael Fassbender. Maybe 40s, maybe. He's an Irish German actor. Michael Fassbender could do this. Yeah, uh, he could do it. I think. All right. So, Michael Fassbender. He's at the bar. He's drinking, um, and he pays with foreign gold. So, um, the gold. It, it look. It's from like the uh, the Middle East, um, which we'll get into, Ooh. and. Uh, and, we'll, and so he, he pays the bartender with it, and he asks him about it. And, um, you know, he says he's just coming back north after, you know, being south for a while. And the bartender laughs and asks if he's one of those fools uh, who went who went down there from Venice. And he, he just sort of shakes him off. And, you know, 
the bartender's like, okay, these guys won't talk about it. Yeah. Um, and so Charles, you know, he gets this drink. He's listening to the, the, the music of the, the girl playing her lute, not singing. Um, and as he's drinking and, and listening to the music, a group of men come in, sort of rowdy mercenaries. The bartender tells Charles to, to stay quiet, keep to himself. Because these men are Genoese mercenaries who were disgruntled after uh, the king failed to pay. So the French king mm-hmm. uh, lost a big battle to the English recently, uh, which we'll get into in a second. Uh, this is a real battle that actually happened. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, the mercenaries, you know, they didn't, they lost. So they didn't, they're not getting paid. So they're just sort of roaming the French countryside upset, you know, trying to find out where they can get their money, which for them is just, you know, screwing over random civilians. Yeah. Stealing, uh, burning, pillaging, you know. The huge. Mm-hmm. So uh, one sits down right next to Charles in sort of like a power play move, you mm-hmm. know, like sits real close to him, sort of shoulders him away. So Charles has to scoot over a little bit in his seat. At the bar, there's like eight seats open. You know, Charles is sitting at one end mm-hmm. of the bar. He has the whole pick of the litter and he decides to just sidle up next to him. Like when you're pissing at a urinal and somebody right, decides to just go right next to you in the urinal, the urinal next door. Mm-hmm. It's a power move. Yeah. It's rude. It's very rude. It is a power move. It is a power move. So, he sits right next to Charles. Um, oh, I, I, yeah. Uh, Charles is the name of the the, the guy in the dark mm-hmm. cloak. Um, and so he, you know, orders a drink. Um, and the guy starts trying to pick on Charles. Just, you know, bother him. You know, cl- classic little, like, you know, are you, you know, you think you're tough because he didn't, you know, he didn't move over when he sat next to him. Um, and, uh, the guy has like a pretty thick Italian accent, and instead of responding um, in English, which is what people are going to be talking here, even though they'd probably really be talking French yeah. in their life, but uh, they're going to be talking. He's going to respond in Italian um, to the guy, and the guy's a little confused when he does this because he's like, "Oh, okay, this guy's not just some random French knight. He knows Italian," mm-hmm. uh, which you know, and he. And he and he then sees like the gold that he has down next to his cup. And he's like, "This guy is not from around here." But before he can, you know, either make a judgment on this guy or, or do anything, and uh, the suddenly there's a yelp behind them that catches both their attentions. Uh, mostly the Genoese man. The Charles just sort of like you know side eyes behind him to see what it is, um, and they turn to see that the other four are hassling a young kid in the corner. I say kid, but he's like early twenties ish. Um, okay, like 2021. 20, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So they, they pull down the kid's hood, and they say they recognize him from Cressy. Um, if you don't know, Cressy is a very famous battle in the Hundred Years' War where the French get absolutely slapped. Um, we'll, we'll get into it more later, but it's a huge French yeah. defeat. And so this is a huge embarrassment. And so they're like, they're calling him a coward um, for running away from the fight. They're like, we know you. We saw you running away. Like, you're, you're you know, you're... You owe us money because the king didn't pay. Like, you know, you're one of the French soldiers. Yeah. And he says they're mistaken and they're hassling him. Um, And they shove him onto the stage where he bumps into the the girl that's playing up there. And she moves off stage to go out of the way um, as this kid starts getting pummeled. And Charles just sort of watching, sipping his drink. Um, He he, he watches a little bit and just sipping his drink. And then he just stares forward, kind of ignoring the fight behind him. And patrons are starting to move out of the way as Philip is trying to fight back, and he manages to knock out one and struggles um, with the other three. And he, he darts across the tables to get to his scabbard where his sword is at his table. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just as he, just as like the the steel slightly squeaks as he pulls it out, 
um, the bartender yells, no steal. And the kid, despite, you know, being cornered and being beaten up, he respects what the bartender says and leaves his blade there. And he's, you know, goes back into fighting these guys, all fists at this moment. And he, oh, um, I was gonna, are, I th- everyone's, what are you saying? Oh, I thought you were going to do a thing where he's like, uh, he respected the bartender not to pull out his sword. So he just grabbed it, like kept it in the saber, in the scabbard and just like wax them with the scabbard. Like it's a bad. Oh, that would be nice. That's okay. He could do that. Yeah. Yeah. He whacks one guy with the scabbard, but then another dude probably catches it, tosses it away. Yeah, catches uh-huh. it, punches him in the face, tosses it on the ground. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I like that. That's that's a good addition. Uh, so he manages to knock out one, probably when he slap, smacks one with the scabbard, um, which prompts Charles to start watching because he's like, okay, this kid's you know he's taking on like four or five guys right now. This is kind of impressive in a way. Um, and uh, things are taking a turn when one of the Genoese who's, uh, who gets back up uh, grabs the girl's loot. Um, so at this point, like, the fight's starting to turn. Charles, or uh, the, the kid, is, like, is kind of, you know, he's, he's knocked out one with the scabbard. He, he knocks out another. Um, and then there's only, like, two guys left. And he's, you know, he's starting to turn the, the fight around. We're like, okay, this kid might actually beat everyone up. But it turns again when... Um, one of the guys that got knocked over uh, grabs the loot from the girl um, and shoves her backwards, and she trips over, and uh, he smashes it over uh, the, the kid's head, the 20-year-old's head. Um, so he gets a you know discordant sound as the loot smashes over his head. That's brutal. Um, and the girl, obviously, her, her loot was just smashed, and that's, it, it, you know, that's her living, so she gets upset, and she's yelling, and she's pushing the guy, and... Uh, he shoves her back and then pulls out a knife, which prompts her to move farther back. And he turns to the kid on the ground uh, with the knife. And at this moment, as he's like, he has the knife and he's going to stab the kid on the ground, uh, a drink smashes over his head, knocking the blade from his hand. And then one of the other guys who turns over to look at who just smashed the drink over his head gets his face smashed into the table. And basically all the Genoese men are on the floor at this point, And it's Charles mm-hmm. that smashed the drink over. On the kids, on the uh, the, the Genoese uh, mercenaries' heads, yeah, and he tells them, um, like with one hand on his sword, that because um, they're on the ground and they're also they're now grabbing their swords because they see that this guy's joined the fight, and he mm-hmm. he just has his hand on his belt where his sword is, and he tells them like, if you want to draw steel, then we're, we're gonna step outside, and they all kind of look at each other, a little intimidated by this this guy that stepped in, who just took out two of their dudes pretty quickly, yeah. And they leave, leaving their one of their knocked out comrades behind. The guy that just got his uh, a drink smashed over his head. Okay, and, the murderous uh, he one. Gets, yeah, and he gets kicked in the stomach by the the, the loot playing girl, um, and some of the other patrons have a you know a little kick too because you know yeah. everyone wants to have fun kicking the guy. Yeah, no one likes these people. Fucking hit him. The twenty year old introduces himself as Philip, and he thanks Charles who. Uh, He's like, oh, thank you for, you know, stepping in and saving me there. And he just says he was annoyed that the, that the music stopped. Um, and he tips the girl so that she can afford a new loot. And he's about oh. to leave when the manager of the bar uh, the bar offers him a room for his help, um, which he doesn't think is a good idea because he's like, they'll, they'll be back. And he's like, the, the the bartender's like, I mean, please stay. Like, we'll give you a room j- even just for in the night. And even if you want to stay, you can, you know, I can offer you a job, like keeping people like that out. So he's reluctant, but he accepts, and he takes a room for the night. Um, 
And Philip thanks him again later, and uh, upon seeing, he sees mail beneath his cloak, and he asks if he's a knight, but Charles, like, you know, just doesn't respond. Um, yeah. I, and that night... Can I tell you... Oh, you oh, yeah. Can I tell you how I'm picturing Charles in my mind? Uh, yeah, sure. Right? Because you've just explained it like he's a gruff, you know, guy in a in a cloak, right? That's That's pretty much all you've you know, elaborated on. I'm kind of picturing him as like a dude. He's probably like six foot two, like a very uh, big guy who has like, he's got his cloak over it, but he's got like cool art. Cause I love in like historical shows and like, you know, uh, historical fiction where you have like ancient medieval knights and shit, but they're, they've got armor and weapons from all over. And you just said he was like down in the middle East Maybe he's got, like, some, like, Chinese armor. Maybe he's got, like, a a scimitar rather than, like, just plain, like, French, English, and German, like, European medieval wear. He's got, like, all sorts of, like, patchwork stuff from all over the the world that just shows where he's been traveling. That's how I'm picturing him in my mind with Mm -hmm. uh, Michael Fassbender's face. That that's all. Yeah, he that's could have like he could have sort of like scale armor, like which was more popular in the Middle East among like. Um, mm. So his his armor is maybe is, is more like the people um, that he may have been fighting in the Middle East. We'll get to like the uh, yeah the um, Arab Emirates or something. Uh, not not the mm-hmm. current like the the like uh, the um, I don't know any any of the Middle Eastern powers that were around in this period, which I yeah. am struggling to remember at the moment, but. Uh, Anyway, so we'll get to that in a bit anyway. Um, so, but his armor is not like, it's not like intricate, fancy stuff. You know, we'll get in. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's very much not the most wealthy of people. And yeah. he's more practical, which is kind of why I said Braun in the beginning. Because Braun had very, like, light armor in, uh, in the in show Game of Thrones. He's, you know, he's a mercenary. He's got very practical stuff. Nothing too flashy, right? So he, exactly. he'll probably have this like light Middle Eastern armor, this scale armor, because that's more practical. And, and the, you know, the Arab Empire was most powerful at the time, so they have they had like some of the most advanced stuff anyway. So he, he you know he, he got that from his time in the Middle East. Yeah. Uh, All right. Cool. So, um, in the night, he's awoken by the smell of smoke, and he finds that the tavern is on fire, and he runs into Philip as he's getting out. Who tells him? Uh, who he tells to you, know, you get everyone else uh, outside? I'm gonna figure out what's going on and, and stop the fire. And he rushes out in like his, you know, his night clothes. So like uh, when I say night, I mean N, not K. So yeah. no mail. You know, he's just wearing like a shirt and pants. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and he Super rushes out clothes. and he finds the Genoese men are burning it down. So they've come back and they've got some more guys. Um, and this is gonna be cool. He's gonna like. He has, he has nothing on him, no sword, nothing, and he just whistles, and his horse comes sprinting by, and while it's coming by, he just, like, grabs his sword off of it and pulls the blade off as, as the sword, as the, uh, yes. the horse continues to go by. So now he's got this, now he's got his sword, his horse is, you know, galloping away, but he can defend himself. Fucking um, sick, bro. It's gonna look cool, and it's gonna sound cool. Um, so, you know, he doesn't have armor on, um, and he's surrounded by, you know, Genoese mercenaries that are fully kitted out. And they've got, you know, weapons and armor and everything. Um, but he, he cuts through them, like, in a very brutal... Not like... He's not, like, dancing. This is not like uh, seeing Oprah and Martell in Game of Thrones, where it's, 
Yeah. You know, it's all just a beautiful fight where he never gets hit or anything. Like, he's, this is a, a brutal, you know, he's getting punched in the face. He's hitting guys. Mm-hmm. Like, this, he's, he's very much of a, like a bruiser. He's not, yeah. a, like, a brawler. He's not, like, a the most talented Technically. He's not the he's Witcher, like, bro. He's just tougher he's than everyone more else. like Mad Max. Like he's on the he's in the yeah. mud, like kicking mm-hmm. guys and all sorts of shit. That's how I'm imagining. He'll throw it. dirt in your face. He'll smash your head in. You'll rip somebody's helmet off and bash somebody else's head in with it. Like this yeah. is a, this is a very brutal fight. And he's getting hit a lot as well. So he's getting mm-hmm. cuts all over him. He's getting you know beat the shit out of him. So that, not not to imply that he's like effortlessly cutting through these guys, but he he does pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he beats almost all of them up. He's exhausted. He's bloody. Um, he's doing that classic thing where he's like using his sword as a cane at this point because he's, you know, so, so, so injured and, and tired. So he's breathing heavily. He's probably got an arrow like sticking out of his shoulder. Not like he's gonna die. Like he's, yeah. There's maybe like one in his knee or something. Mm-hmm. Um, or shoulder, shoulders. Yeah, wherever is good. Like just. Um, and he's like, you know, he, maybe he's ripped it off and he stabbed it in somebody's face. Oh, that's oh, I fucking something. love when they do that in movies. Guy gets shot with an arrow. He immediately yanks it out, stabs another guy in the eye. You know, some mm-hmm. shit like that. Oh, I love that shit. That's great. <clears throat> and he's breathing heavily and he looks up as someone loads, as the last mercenary left loads a crossbow and points it at him. And he's like, well, fuck. I mean, there's nothing I can do here. This dude's going to, you know, shoot me with the crossbow. Um, mm-hmm. He's sort of breathing heavily as he looks at this guy, not sure what to do. And uh, right before the dude fires the crossbow, uh, a smashed, an already destroyed loot, but you know it's still it's still somewhat you know there. Yeah. It's got some integrity to it. Is fully cracked over this guy's head, and he collapses. And it's Joan, the uh, 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 the uh, the loot playing was, girl, uh, the loot playing bard person. Uh, yeah. And so she was helped outside with by Philip and some of the other folk, and. Um, one of the Genoese mercenaries gets away, um, and as he's like riding away on his horse, he like you know threatens to come back with the rest of his company. Um, they manage to put out the fire, so the whole inn isn't burned, but it's damaged definitely. And the tavern owner is furious and demands they all leave. Uh, by they all, he's he's pointing to uh, the people that you know have been fighting with the uh, the Genoese guys. So that's Joan, Philip, and Charles. Yeah. Um, so. Charles wants to leave on his own. You know, he's a he's a he's our lone wolf type kind of guy. Of but, course, um, of course. Joan doesn't own a horse, so he feels like he needs to help her. Um, so he offers to take her to the nearest town. And Philip, you know, this young impressionable knight, sees how impressive Charles was, um, and he he wants to. Well, Philip isn't a knight actually; he's a squire. Sorry, I, I missed. Yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, but we'll, we'll get into his backstory shortly. Um, <gasps> and he offers to—he's like he wants to be a part of whatever Charles is. You know, he's like this guy is cool. The, clearly, I can learn something from him. Um, so uh, I'm gonna get an episode two in a second, but just to go over the characters, we've got Joan, Charles, and uh, Philip. Philip de Vitre. We'll get into—that's uh, a town in France. Um, Joan the Flem, so she's she's Flemish. She's from Belgium, and Charles okay. von Smyrna, and we'll get into why he's he's German, but he's got Smyrna as his where he's from um, in a bit. Smyrna is like a small island off the coast of it's in it's in the Middle East. Um, it's like near Turkey, modern day. Okay. Um, but uh, so you know Charles, uh, we kind of went into him in a little bit. Michael Fassbender's playing him. He's a he's a very quiet person. Um, clearly, something's weighing on his head. 
mid to late thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very tired. Wants a quiet life, but needs money, um, and, and very distressed by his past. Uh, Joan, um, she's 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 very tough. Something you know, we'll, we'll get into it in a bit. But you know, she had a great deal of distress happen in, in her early life. Um, so, but she enjoys adventure because she's you know still young. She wants you know something exciting to do with her life, which is sort of how she became a bard, and also because she. Um, had to leave uh had to leave her hometown of ghent for reasons we'll get into uh, but she so, which is why she's slightly scarred by the turmoil in her youth but she and it has a bit of a distaste for the aristocracy and philip is this very he's a young squire we'll get into what happened to him that wasn't great uh, very idealistic though and courageous and kind and bright uh, he's not overly clever um and he has a very strong sense of glory and honor and a, a slightly delusional view of the world, where he he thinks people are better and nicer than they actually are, has mm-hmm. very high sort of moral values. Uh, so, so yeah, those are yeah. our, our three principal characters, and that is the end of episode uh, one. Yeah, we've already had one super cool action sequence. Well, two, one super cool action sequence. One just kind of like a, a fun bar fight. Got our main characters, got some setting, got some, you know, vibes, some themes, you know, mm-hmm. atmosphere. Um, it's good. Yeah, I'd As watch. Say, I'd watch another episode. You would. Well, I've, I've got episode mm-hmm. two uh, right here for you. Boom. Um, so where where things okay, are going to yeah. go from here? I'll just kind of run through the next uh, episodes and then kind of where the show is going after that. Yeah. Um, so we've got episode two. They're going to head down the road until they come along a town, which is split by two factions. So this is our, I this is the whole reason I wanted to do this show, which was a, essentially I don't know if you've seen Yo Jimbo, but I brought it up before, or I think it's a fistful of dollars, which is the, um, uh, what is it, Clint Eastwood western? That's essentially the same story as Yo Jimbo, which is, uh, like a you know, that guy comes into town. It's controlled by two factions, and both factions sort of fight over this tough warrior person that comes into town. I, yeah. I wanted to do that, except with the knight and uh, the Hundred Years' War. And uh, so this episode is going to be... Um, they get into this town, which is where he initially attends to drop off uh, Joan, who maybe, you know, make a living in this town with, you know, her loot plan. He's, he said he'd buy a new loot for her here. Um, and then, you know, she can make her way on her own, and he can go on with his life. Um, Philip, there's not really, he doesn't really have a plan, he's just following along, and he, Charles is trying to get rid of him. Um, but they get in, he, they get into this town, and it's, it's, it's split between two factions. It's, uh, the, there's a whorehouse on, owner who is becoming incredibly rich, uh, because of the turmoil, and soldiers are always passing through. And so yeah. she's, like, super, super rich now. And so she's sort of the nouveau riche person in this town and we also have a low level noble who's the old rich and who's trying who's come back he's been fighting in the war not really fighting his his dad died in the war though um and he's coming back to collect his his money so he's in like he's in his very early 20s probably like 24 25 has a very heightened sense of himself despite being a very low tier noble mm-hmm. as most nobles uh, do i would imagine i yeah probably philip wants to help the noble when they get into town because he has this sense of like 
his, his idea that the the noble will do what's right and you know what uh, you know what's what's good for God and stuff. Like he has this very sense of like you know chivalry and honor, and the noble would never you know he would help the town. And he, yeah. obviously he thinks lowly of the whorehouse owner because it's a whorehouse. Um, and a Joan who comes from Ghent, and so she's very used to industry and these you know low tier and, and her own family was a merchant family uh she thinks highly of the the whorehouse owner and she's like you know she's someone that's making her way in the world who's built up her money like she's in the right here and charles agrees with joan he'll help out the whorehouse owner not because he's helping her out because he needs like he needs to he, he needs money because they need um funds for food and they're out of food and they're you know that's that's a, that's why they stopped in the town partially Mm-hmm. Um, and also, we'd like to get a horse for Joan. Um, and so they they stop in, and uh, Charles agrees to, to help the whorehouse owner, sort of joins her side for a big sum of money. Um, but both want him, obviously, because he's this new knight that comes into town. They're like, he might be tough and good. And he comes with Charles, who's or Charles. He comes with Philip, sorry, who's like this, you know, another body as well. They don't. No one thinks too highly of Philip because um, he's not a knight. But Charles, he looks tough, so. You know, who wouldn't want him? Uh, yeah, he so, looks tough. He's all handsome, you know. What's going to happen, Maybe though, is he's betrayed by the whorehouse owner when she learns what he did to the Genoese mercenaries. Um, and those were, like, for clients. So she doesn't want to hurt her client base. Um, yeah. And so she okay, agrees sense. to kill him. And uh, kill him and Philip, who managed to escape. Um, and they go to the noble who then similarly betrays them after learning that Philip fought at Cressy. Um, so that big battle that where the, mm-hmm. the English got, you know, totally fucked. So he was there when they earlier talked about the um, at the, the bar fight, which cracked off, and he said he wasn't there. He actually, he was at Cressy. Um, yeah. And uh, Charles is ultimately, he he's, doesn't at first want to help Philip, but he decides that, like, I, I've got to, I can't leave this kid to get killed by this noble. And so he ends up killing the noble and the whorehouse owner, leaving the town in the hands of the noble's bastard son, who is only five, and whose mother worked at the whorehouse. So that that is the spark of the original conflict between the whorehouse owner and the um, the oh, and the noble is that is because yeah he he like he had a son with one of the whorehouse owner's uh, workers, and both of them want you know custody like they want both of them want the kid. He's like that's my you know he's my son. I want him, and and she wants the son to have, to take power, and she wants to sort of influence this kid. That's her, the whorehouse owner's way of, you know, becoming more powerful. Is now she's got a noble connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. So you know, the kid ends up in charge, and he's five years old. So it's really his, this young, his, his uh, mother, his young and mother, is now in charge. His mother, and probably like the grand vizier, the vizier, you know, or whoever, like is helping run things, you know, with the yeah. noble, because this noble Someone, someone like from the noble's form. camp that was, like, yeah. probably someone old that was, like, his advisor is, is helping as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode three is going to be the backstory episode, so they're in a, you know, classic, there's a storm, we're waiting at a campfire in a cave, Yeah, we're getting some of their backstory. Um, Joan goes first, she's talking about the story of, there was a rebellion in Ghent, um, so when the war originally started, um, there was a a uh, the English did performed a like 
what's, what's the word? A sanction on Ghent, because the English provided much of the wool for Ghent, and Ghent was all cloth makers, and her family was cloth makers, mm-hmm. and it just completely collapsed the economy, because Ghent is part of uh, France, that's why he did the, the sanction, uh, the sort of embargo or whatever. And uh, they completely collapsed the economy and destroyed her father's business, and she was forced to flee, because there was, like, you know, crazy rebellions after that. And, um, you know, she... You know, she wants to return home, but she doesn't know if anything's still there, and she doesn't even know if her father or his, his business is still alive. She'll be able to claim it or anything. And uh, so, you know, she's just out trying to make what money she can to survive. And, you know, not sure if she can go home. Yeah, so that's her. Sad she's backstory. she's sort of aimless. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, she, she has this really sort of. It. She has a good a good voice, and she can play the lute, and she she likes mm-hmm. being a bard, and she likes writing about the battles um, and like uh, the knights and everything she, she likes doing that but she does want to go back home but she can't. okay I'm just trying to figure out her her motivation seems to be she wants to get like she wants to see the world and experience all sorts of cool crazy things but, but you know also, she's, she's someone that's she in her early you know 20s or, or about to hit her 20s and she's like not really sure what to do with her life you know it's a very very common feeling but she kind of yeah. likes what she's doing right now, so she's just sticking with that for now. Yeah, can't relate. Can't relate at I've all. I've never I, felt Obviously, aimless. you and I are completely surefire with our aspirations. Exactly. We 100% know exactly what we want and how we're going to get it. Yep, 100%. Uh, so, then we get Philip's backstory. Um, he talks about the Battle of Cressy. Um, and he was originally captured in a scouting party. So he's trying to scout the English forces, and um, so he's he's watching the battle from the English side. He's he can see like his his uh, his knight. So he's a squire at this point, and he can see his master. You know the, the knight he's in, he's assigned to. Uh, it's been training him for so long. Uh, he can see his standard flapping the wind in the battle as it's starting to kick off, and he can see you know the English forces fighting them. And at this point, he's kind of near the English king king in this battle, and he's. You know, the English king looks quite regal. He's a very tough dude. Um, he's known for being really tall and, you know, tough. And uh, Philip is watching on. He thinks, like, okay, like, we might actually be able to win this battle because there's more French troops. You know, I, I've been sort of dishonored by getting captured, but uh, for some reason the English king isn't sending up his reinforcements. He's just letting his his first line fight. And we'll see, like, a horse come in and... Uh, it's this guy. He's like, hey, you're, 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 he's, he goes up to the king. He's like, your son, you know, he's, he's out there fighting. He needs reinforcements. And this is a very famous line from this period is that the English king, Edward III, he says, let the boy win his spurs for his son that's mm. fighting in the battle. That's a good, uh, so he doesn't send reinforcements. Line. It's a killer line. And of course, his son does win his spurs and he wins the battle by himself. Uh, nice. Pretty famous character in history. His name's the Black Prince. Or that's what people call huh. him. Which is a great title. I mean, to be called the Black Prince. I mean, that's that sounds pretty tough. That's um, pretty. It's pretty dope. So Philip, you know, he's watching the battle and things are starting to go poorly, and he sees his the standard of his uh, of his knight drop, and he manages to break away, and he rushes in to fight, and he he joins the fighting, and he sees his master, or his, his you know his knight die, and uh, you know this he's in anguish obviously because this is like his father figure. Mm-hmm. And he gets captured again, but breaks free um, after the battle has ended. And uh, because he breaks free and he's running away, people that see him 
assume he's running away from the battle, not from captivity. Um, and he was almost, and he ends up getting almost killed when he tries to return to Paris. And so he's kind of just left aloft, like he doesn't really know where to go because he can't return home. He can't rejoin the army because people think he's a traitor. So that's how he ends up just sort of on the road, wandering, unsure of what to do with his life. Um, and Charles, he's the last one to go, and he just lies. He just makes up something. But as he's lying, talking about how he's, you know, he's like, oh, I was just a Italian mercenary. That's why um, they call me uh, Charles von Smyrna. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, but what we're really watching, like as he's talking, we're watching, um, like you know, the viewers are watching, like something far more tragic happening like him and he's in a battle and all of his friends are getting cut down around him and he's mm -hmm. uh, we'll get into th th this later but um, essentially he fought in the uh, a crusade for the island of Smyrna um, which went pretty well in the beginning which uh, they managed to take everything except the Acropolis and um, they held mass to sort of celebrate their victory and while they were holding mass the um, remaining forces of the island swept down and they killed all the crusade leaders and most of the knights and so he's like fleeing after all of his um you know friends and everyone he, he you know knows died and he's disgraced obviously because he was part of a failed crusade and he's he, now he's just forced to sort of live you know on the fringe he's coming back north trying to just get away from his reputation which is pretty down in the dirt because he's part of this absolute complete failure yeah, that's... Yeah. I, I like that, that you're doing... He's telling a story that's 100% false, and we're watching the story, and I would imagine when he's telling the story, there's going to be, like, similarities between what he's saying and what's happening, but the yeah. context is very, very different. Maybe he had, mm -hmm. like, a wife and child, right? Because Charles doesn't strike me as somebody who really cares about, you know nobility right he's a practical kind of a guy so maybe his reputation isn't the only thing that was destroyed like all of his friends you know maybe he even if he doesn't have a wife and child in the town uh maybe he like comes to we can watch him slowly in a montage come to become like a a member of the town and a part of the community and he kind of like adopts these well, people see, they, they, that, and then that's all destroyed. Uh, like it happens pretty soon after so maybe his his family is in venice and he can't go back to Venice because Venice is where the crusade started, uh, like where yeah. they left off. And so the, his family's there, and now he can't go back to Venice because he's, like, disgraced. And so he can't see his family or communicate with them in any way um, because of that. He has, like, this huge sense of dishonor over him. He doesn't want to bring that dishonor back to his family, you know? All right, cool. Especially yeah. since it might imply them dying because they might get, you know, killed as traitors or something. Um, mm-hmm. The next episode, uh, I'm just going to run through the rest now, is going to be them defending a village from a uh, rogue English men-at-arms. Um, so, like, they broke off from the, the army, and they're just going about fucking shit up for money. Um, this is, like, the Seven Samurai episode. I don't know if you've seen the movie The Seven Samurai. Um, I have seen the movie The Seven Samurai. Um, I've so also seen be Philip, the best movie. It's going to be Charles. The best movie? What? Yeah, I've seen the best movie, uh, Rebel Moon, A Child of Fire, Part 1, which is basically oh. just The Seventh Samurai, but worse in every possible way. Oh, I didn't know that they basically copied Seven Samurai for that. 
Yeah, yeah. it's not a good movie. I mean, there's also a Western that is essentially The Seven Samurai. I think it's called like the... Yeah, The Magnificent Seven. Magnificent Seven. Yeah, it's a... Mm-hmm. Um, so, they'll, you know, they'll be getting some... Charles and Philip will be recruiting people that can fight to defend this town. And uh, it's going okay. And everyone ends up dying except for Charles and Philip. That's a fighter. Um, and just when things are seem like they're going to lose, that's when... Um, this English lord shows up and, you know, grabs his men-at-arms and, and pulls them away. And this is a, a real-life figure. His name is Sir Thomas Holland, um, who is like this great big uh, paragon of, of chivalry. Um, and he was okay. you know, famous for trying not to get women and children killed when mm-hmm. uh, they took over towns and stuff. Um, nice so guy. he pulls his men away. But it's it's not, you know, that's not the only reason. He, he, he you know, also goes up to Charles and Philip and tries to recruit them. Because, um, you know, he wants them to join the English army to, to go wipe out the French. Um, and, you know, Philip obviously is like, no, fuck you. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm a French guy. But he's polite about it because he's a polite person. So Philip declines. Um, and Charles, he doesn't straight up say no. He just says that he has to bring this girl to um, Gascony because that's the, you know, that's the only place that we think that might be a safe town and that we got to get away from this four-torn area and I promise to get her loot. And then Philip needs to get out of here too. Um, so at this point, Charles is just like, I- I'm going to get these these two young people out of this th- this huge, you know, they're in the middle of this war, and I need to get them out of it so that I feel conscious, like, my in my conscious, I'm okay with uh, what's going on here. Like, I don't feel mm-hmm. like I've abandoned them. Um, and so, you know, uh, Sir Tom uh, Thomas Holland gives him a letter, and he's like, this will grant you passage back to England if you choose to to fight with us after you drop them off. Yeah. So, right. um, that is basically the show, uh, the episodes that I planned out. Where it's going from yeah. here is we're eventually going to get to Gascony, and there's going to be a big battle between the English and the French there, and there's going to be a whole lot of fighting. Um, Philip's going to get knighted on the battlefield because he's going to save a prince from Bohemia who's fighting there. Nice. So that's cool for him. Uh, and Charles is going to get captured when he's trying to... Um, so he tries to defend... Joan from somebody, but it turns out not to be Joan, and Joan's somewhere else, and she ends up killing the guy that tried to uh, capture her, and she's like, she's fighting along with, uh, to fill, fill up because they're trying to get out of the battle. Um, and Charles ends up getting captured, and he's brought south to answer for his crimes uh, and failures in the crusade by the Doge of Venice. So that would be like the cliffhanger for season two, is, is Charles two. being captured. Mm-hmm. Um, and Philip and Joan end up going um, east towards to Bohemia with this prince who, who they saved um, yeah. on the battlefield, and but they're also not sure what happened to Charles. Mm-hmm. Um, so season two will be all about you know them going to save Charles, but that now, is the road to Gascony. I'm wondering about the. It sounds good. I enjoy this show. I'm wondering about the interpersonal relationships between our three protagonists, right? Because yeah. it kind of seems like implicitly there is like this uh love uh this will they won't they relationship between joan and philip right because they're similar age yeah i was i was gonna i'm running out of time here but i was you know i wanted that that's that's gonna happen obviously um yeah because they have like conflicting views she's very practical you know she sees mm -hmm. the world as as it is and he's very high-minded thinks it's you know he's delusional a little bit but you know good morals i guess 
Yeah, but that's the thing, and then they both like would learn to view the world a little bit more from the other person's perspective, and they both improve yeah. and become better people. But I feel like it would also be a uh, an interesting thing if you make uh, Charles have a daughter, a daughter who is the same age as Joan, right? And so he's more mm. attached to her as she's kind of seeing it, like seeing him like a father figure, yeah. or she he's that's kind of what like I was going for with figure. them too. Like he's sort of like a yeah father figure for her and for philip he's kind of like the a mentor figure yet he is outright trying not to be he doesn't want to be but he's he's yeah. kind of filling in that mentor Can't figure help for him yeah yeah because he sees him fighting well it could be also he's like you gotta fucking do better and he, you know he's just also mm-hmm. setting an example in the way he fights and does things as well and he, he, he comes off yeah. as someone that doesn't really care about honor and stuff but in the way he acts he always kind of does the right thing He's even an honorable guy in his action. Yeah. He's like reluctantly honorable. He doesn't want to be doing it, but he feels like he has to. You know? he, he, he can't not. Yeah. Well, I like The Road to Gascony. That's a fun show. Fun, classic adventure road trip action show. A little mm-hmm. bit of history. Strong characterizations. A, a fun cliffhanger. Good show. I like it. And if you, you know like something you're funny? here and you want to hear more, well, sure. I originally started writing this as a comedy, and it didn't. It, didn't, it wasn't panning out. <laughs> so I was like, ah, let's make it serious. That's yeah, easier. I do. I'll, I'll I do think it. it is hard to pitch comedies in this format because, like, the best thing about a comedy is like the minute-to-minute jokes, right? Yeah. So unless we're reading the script, the the like. You get the broad comedy of, like, we have these ridiculous mm-hmm. characters in a ridiculous world, right? And the straight man and blah blah blue But you can't really, like, if you just, like, write all the jokes out, it's like, are they going to work, right? You know? Yeah. Uh, unless it's a script reading. It, it's it's difficult to pitch uh, an overtly comedic show. I'm more, I'm more in favor of doing something like a... There's... there's touches of comedy but it is uh it's usually adventure or action or drama or horror or whatever you know yeah mm-hmm. um definitely, definitely but i liked it quite a bit and if you liked it and you like what you heard here and you want to hear more please give us a like a follow subscribe tell your friends tell your family tell your dog tell your cat and remember i forgot to do the en- a- exit Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Very Reasonable Pilots podcast. I'm your host, Charles Long. With me, as always, has been my co-host, editor, producer, co-pilot, gunner, navigator, orator, and podcasting associate, Jacob Gloth. We're right back where we started, folks. You like yep. what you heard? You, you, you heard, heard the other more, stuff. Please give us a like. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will be back here next week with a brand new televisual series for you to imagine and enjoy. And have a good day, night, or